Hello, my name is Katzy Pline, and I am on the radio at 6 a.m. You're welcome. <laughs> Katzy Pline, putting in the work, putting in the real hours. All right. All right. Okay. You ready? Awesome. Wait, is it recording? It's recording. I okay. just Because I can't hear anything, so I just put it down. Okay. Well, this is better. I can see you. This is better. We can actually see each other. All right. Good morning. Uh, You are listening to Writing for the Feeling here on Best Frequencies for Freaking Ever, BFF.FM. Today is a very special day because Katsy Plyon is here with us. Um, How are you? I am doing good. Uh, Down a little low because I got a really bad case of poison oak. And I haven't been able to skateboard in five days, which is is terrible. But other than that, I am doing pretty good. Cool, cool. I'm glad to hear it. I'm quite sorry that uh, you've been been down. That's, yeah. Guy's barbed wire got me. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you are skating a lot. You are a skater, one might say. Yes, I am a skater girl. I go every day, generally. Um, I have my little tricks. Uh, got my little routine that I've got going on. But yeah, I skate every day. Well, if I was a really, if I was a good interviewer, I would have asked you to bring your board in, and you we could have done like a little video promo thing of you like skating up the little ramp that's outside the the studio here. See, that would have been a problem because I am addicted to wearing boots. I can't <laughs> skate in my boots. So it's really a whole thing where then I have to wear bring two pairs of shoes. That is actually also a problem that I've encountered during quarantine. Actually, I started longboarding. And you really can't do that you really can't. in anything other than like skate shoes. Like I, even, yes. I do it in Blundstones quite frequently. Wow. And uh, it is awkward super awkward yeah i mean we're just discussing the tension between function and aesthetics and (laughs) skateboarding really brings that antimony out um in a in a deep way um you can't have it all i guess so we at time of recording are a couple weeks like a week and a half out from the release show for incandescent fire and um I am just wanting to know how it's felt since and how maybe the show itself felt. If you can even remember, like I know oftentimes I black out during such events. Um, so, you know, <laughs> absolutely. Um, the show was quite lovely. I got to play with some of my most favorite musical artists around here. Um, Matt Robido, who um, is a local eccentric experimental composer um who uh takes he turned a piece of corn into a controller for his modular synth holy shit and um is a really dynamic performer as well um and just i love their music a lot so it was cool to have them play and dix duso has been a favorite of mine since I was a 22-year-old speed freak, um, so <laughs> it was cool to uh, play with him and uh, with Karina's band, Cindy, too. Um, 
So, yeah, it was basically just a lot of music that I've been crying to for the past <laughs> year or so. So, um, it was very fun. Was it like a like a super cry? Like was it was it all that condensed into one? You know, I actually didn't cry at the gig, which I was super proud of myself for. I'm proud of you too. There was there's this one Cindy song, A Trumpet on a Hillside, that's been my go-to like post-workout. I'm crying on the walk home. <laughs> And I started, but I didn't do it. So I was wow. super proud. Yeah, that's 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 growth. <laughs> you have now at least two weeks of space between, you know, the album being out in the world and where you are now. And how does it feel to have it? At, how does it feel to relinquish that control? Um, it has been good. Interesting. Um, I've been happy with, um, yeah, I've gotten a lot of sweet messages from friends and people that I admire and, uh, other players around town and composers. And so that has felt good. Um, it also was the first time that I had worked with so many people to create something. So my records before this one, I made all by myself. Um, the last one I like worked with my friend, Adam, mm -hmm. he mixed it and he recorded some of the fingerstyle songs, but like everything, all the instrumentation was right. done by me and it was just kind of me in my studio by myself and I released it by myself. So it was very much like there was one person who was doing right. this gay little art project and this time i had other freaks with me who were like making the thing with me and then like working on releasing it and like working with the label and stuff and so that was really cool but it was also uh kind of like an administrative bureaucratic headache in a lot of ways yeah. um i think you can probably relate to the fact that being a musician is 80% logistics and emails. It is actually 85% emails. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I want to be an artist. And you're like, actually, damn, now I'm just being a little small business bitch. It takes um, the worst parts of almost every job yeah. <laughs> and makes them like essential for your survival. Yeah. The pay is not great at this scale either. So, um, but yeah, just kind of getting it out. I think, uh, it was a bit of a black hole of like, oh, what is my life going to be like? I was like, well, I can't think about anything because I have to put this thing out. And then maybe I can start imagining right. what my time and energy will be like after that. Um, so I'm glad that that part of it is done. Yeah. Well, what's your time and energy like now? Like what's I mean, I know you just went on this big trip and you got poison oak, which is really <laughs> unfortunate. Um, but like how where's your imagination sense yeah um i mean so we're actually going back into the studio in like a month wow and so um i have just been spending a lot of time uh preparing for that so we've been doing a lot of rehearsals and i've been making demos the band has been making demos um so it's been some creative work um I'm very interested in movement and motion. Like I said, I skateboard, but I also run a lot. And um, so I spend a lot of time just sort of moving around. 
in um, reading a lot. Uh, I've been unemployed for like, I don't know, six months now, but I got to get a job again because yeah. my clothing budget has been really low lately <laughs> and that has been terrible. Yeah. Um, so what broke with expensive taste? I feel yeah. like that's an album by someone terrible, but it is an album by like, is, is it Iggy Azalea? It really might be. I was going to say, like, I think that's a pink album or something. Okay. Or like a... I hope it's not Iggy Azalea. Hang on. I have to look this up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so figuring out the sort of practical how I will fund my um, little esoteric musings. I got to figure that part out. Um, gotta Got to keep the the esoteric shorty train rolling in some way and so i will have to submit my time for capitalists to exploit yes. again yeah. but mostly it's been creative things and sweating sweating yeah. that's amazing wow oh, that's fantastic um it does bring me little joy to report that broken expensive taste is an azalea banks album oh okay which that's I, better it's, it's way better than <laughs> i'm still cool yeah, yeah, no, you're so cool. You've you've got problematic fave. Yeah, problematic fave, but also I I would I would argue that Azalea Banks has a tremendous amount of righteous anger. Yeah, definitely. You know? So yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, she's a plastic girl like me, you know. So totally, totally. Body modification, body mods, etc. Yeah, um, and maybe you too can uh, one day expose kind of the inner workings of elon musk's life <laughs> <laughs> yeah she was iconic for that <laughs> she really was um that actually it does may not bring me but remind me of a question that i have had i think for you for a while just like you katsy pine is among the, the the venerable cater of artists who have like reimagined a name um and you know like harrison fjord uh Chet Faker, many others, Katzi Pine. And I have just been curious, like, what that's like. Or, like, do you feel at ever, like, do you ever feel like, oh, I need, like, this music needs to be a certain thing because I'm, I've associated myself with, like, Patsy Pine? Um, I mean, I think, you know, the name itself started out as a shit post. Right. Um, so I was 18. And I loved Patsy Cline's music. Uh, and I also was obsessed with Animal Collective at the time. I thought they were the coolest people in the world. Oh. And so uh, I was like, oh, I need to do my version of A.V. Tear. And I was oh. like, oh, that's funny. So it was just, um, it was like an internet screen name for a long time. Cool. And then uh, I was when I was making my solo records, which at the time were ambient footwork and techno tracks um i just was like oh that's a cool name or it's whatever it it's good enough um but in terms of compositionally like if i feel like it gives some sort of directive i think like um i mean that country influenced or country adjacent music is sort of fundamental to my right. songwriting and uh, how I think about structure and form and also my relationship to um, the history of American recorded music and 
So having this sort of reference built in with yeah. the name, um, I think is a way of capturing my relationship um, to that musical history in a sort of really quick and right. uh, bite-sized way. Um, I also, I, I would think, I mean, this is more of something that I bring to like the perception of your music, but there is something that feels analogous between both your and Patsy Cline's music of like, it exists in the like country urban uh, void somewhere in there of like, it's music that is very much of a country tradition or like an American recorded music tradition, which I suppose is like a country and folk tradition. But also, it could also be equally at home in like some kind of seedy urban lounge type environment of like, and I think it one of the most amazing things about your music is how well it transcends both those places. Totally. I mean, I kind of think of the band as like a haunted memory mm-hmm. uh, lounge jazz group. Um, some sort of hallucination of a honky-tonk band. Um, And, yeah, I mean, Patsy Cline's music, I think, has a lot of jazz influence in it. Um, Not all of the records, but, uh, you know, a lot of the people that she played with were session musicians who would also play jazz music. And so um, you can hear it a lot in the harmony of of her tunes and also i think you know when you go back to like the 20s and the 30s um a lot of what we consider to be country music was also repertoire that was performed by jazz musicians and um the genre split i think happened more as the music was being commodified and as a way to sell it to specific uh racialized demographics and so you know musically like uh, it's a tricky line to walk of like, I, I have that problem. I do a radio show called heartbreak ahead where I play country Western music. And, um, it's always funny of like, Oh, can I play this record? It's like a jazz record, mm-hmm. not King Cole singing, mm-hmm. a singing an American standard. It's like, well, a million country singers also performed right. this song. Um, so is it a country song or is it a jazz song? Cause Nat right. King Cole is singing it. Um, the lines are not so easily drawn when you get into the messiness of the musical history. Totally. Preach, Katsy. <laughs>
time did pass Both fast and slow Always moving, nowhere to go Thought I'd find some kind of sense But I'd found chance and coincidence Cause I've been drifting Derek is a, is a big part of that mm-hmm. and and also like the harmonies like you and Jeannie's harmonies are a big part of that too like like what was the process of finding that sound and like how did you kind of sort of circle what, what other things did you explore when you were coming up when you were trying to find that totally um so one of the my biggest inspirations is like the catch-all term of like studio a sound or the Nashville sound so like really just records that Chet Atkins and Anita Ford were making in Nashville in the 60s um, and trying to create a contemporary West Coast version of that style. And so when we were all getting together, you know, that was sort of very much in our minds. Um, But we are also all kind of drawn from playing in jazz bands and playing in combos and big bands and also being really interested in experimental music. And so um, sort of bringing all three of those things in of like, well, you know, we we all really love uh, Finesse and we all really love Duke Ellington and we all really love Willie Nelson and so, and Tammy Wynette. And so like, how do we make all of that live together in the same place? Okay, so the the album itself, take me through like the genesis and like the birth. Like what were you looking at and touching and tasting and smelling when all of these songs were born? Because I think it's it's like you said, like you, the first couple of Catsy records are it's just kind of you and a guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm wondering like what was yeah, what what was around you during the the birth or the inception of like a bigger, fuller studio A sound. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think uh, I put my last record out, No Peace in the Valley, like sometime at the beginning of quarantine, actually. And, you know, I had hoped my big dream was, oh, I'll get a band together maybe someday and I can play shows. And uh, I ran into Derek Sup at uh, Martial Arts, maybe like right after things started opening up again. People were having shows here and there. And we ended up chatting about all these records I was just talking about. And I was like, you know, I loved his band, Little Arcs. And I think Nate was there too. And we just kind of hit it off. And we talked about playing music together. And so, um, you know, when we started playing together, it really opened up my compositional horizons on like what was possible. And also they play so beautifully and they're so gifted that it um, kind of pushed me to write in a different way. And, um, I, I don't know. Uh, I started writing the record, what year? It's 2023. So we made it last year (laughs) and, uh, I started writing the record. I don't know. Like most of the songs happened in the springtime and into summer. And, uh, at the time I was reading this book called Asse Fall, which is a journal, um, from some 40s French intellectuals. They were uh, like an occult secret society. Um, and uh, the phrase incandescent fire is from that journal. Mm. Um, but they were attempting to develop uh, new religiosity after the death of God and were sort of trying to combat the capture of life's infinity into forms that the state and capital could exploit so um how how can we develop a new sensibility outside of identity outside Mm -hmm. of politics outside of uh traditional religion and so those were themes that i was exploring a lot on this record and so intellectually it kind of comes out of this like esoteric leftist somewhat anarchist tradition um and yeah i was just reading a lot of stuff like that reading a lot of poetry uh like diana de prima and denise levertov these kind of like eco leftist folks um and i don't know just was running around a lot so i backpack a lot um and i think that my relationship to wild spaces um really influence it influences what i write about a lot um and the sort of specter of looming climate catastrophe really impacts my relationship to these spaces so i had this experience where multiple places where i had just gone backpacking caught fire shortly after i went there um in the Sierras, up in Humboldt County, uh, Big Sur. Um, it happened four or five times during the making and writing of this record. And so um, the ways in which the death cult of capitalism like 
very concretely was shaping my relationship to the places that I lived and frequented um, was very present. And so it ended up coming out in the themes a lot of this record. Um, do you br- ever bring an instrument with you when you're in those kind of wild spaces? No. Um, well, I'm an ultralight backpacker, okay. so I don't like to carry very much yeah. stuff. Um, but I do sometimes, like, a lot of my songs start with a phrase. Mm-hmm. So I, I start with lyrics a lot. And so every so often I will get some kind of numinous phrase <laughs> in the middle of nowhere um, from the mountain gods. And uh, I'll end up writing a tune around that. Do you bring your phone with you? Do you voice memo that? Uh, usually uh, my notes app. Uh-huh. Is, okay. That's actually where all of my secrets live. Mm-hmm. So um, when I die, no one's allowed to look at my phone because yeah. it has all my uh, neurotic ramblings and uh, sad girl notes. Yeah, uh, same. For any <laughs> listeners of the show, um, if I, you know... If I meet an untimely demise, you got to smash that shit. <laughs> you got to <laughs> absolutely destroy mm-hmm, my phone. Because mm-hmm. um, there's all kinds of gossip and sad girl so shit. So much gossip. So much gossip. Uh, dreams. I write down uh, almost all of my dreams. Whoa. Um, and yeah, that shit's got to... Not for not for other eyes. Not for public consumption. <laughs> not for public consumption. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna Kafka this shit. <laughs> Please burn my phone. For sure. There should be like I'm sure there is like some kind of like digital service, like that when you when you die or you know, whatever, you like give them your phone and they destroy it. <laughs> that would be next level neurotic planning for your death. <laughs> Just throw me in the trash, honestly. I don't care what happens. You can look at my phone, but don't judge me too harshly.
substantive question before we get into uh, complete esoteric <laughs> shit is um, where is Cassie Pline now? And you said you're going back in the studio in a month. Like, do you have uh, specific visions for like music that is coming next and music that's moving you? Or um, yeah, where are yeah, you? totally. Um, so we're going back to the studio in like a month. Um, the new record uh, that we've been writing is, I think, much more self-consciously experimental and cool. also a lot faster. Cool. Um, so I've been really loving, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of faster and more energetic music. Um, I don't know. Uh, Lots of bands around town. Um, like I really love the Flamingos and uh, who else? Uh, Juice Bumps. I love Juice Bumps. I don't know. Just kind of more like anarchic uh, punk energy um, and also kind of wanting to incorporate more like kind of, yeah, kraut rock and straightforwardly experimental music uh, and ambient cool. stuff. I love Pauline Oliveros and uh yeah a lot of like maggie Payne, um a lot of local experimental composers and i think when i was making this past one we wanted to bring those influences out more but didn't really happen i ended up writing a lot of ballads yeah. which i am a balladeer at heart um but i've been playing a lot more electric guitar and i was like i want to bring that I don't know, just kind of running around energy more. And so the new record is, I think, a lot more intentionally freaky and quick. Um, Although there still will be ballads, of course, because... You got to give the people what they want. Got to give the people what they want. (laughs) And uh, I get my heart broken too often. I'm too soft. And so uh, they just come out of me. Uh, one thing that I I love about this album is that it, it feels um, like self-defining and it feels like very much a, it exists in relationship to its own heart <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is it's a very I mean all the songs are are most of the songs at least are very like vulnerable ballads um, and so I'm really excited to hear where you go experimentally sonically kraut rockily <laughs> uh, from there thank you yeah um i mean when i like when i was writing the last one and i came up with the title incandescent fire the goal was to sort of express um this the world and its infinite becoming with more energetic and more kind of like uh alive music but it just didn't mm-hmm. happen that way it wasn't where i was at and so i was like all right maybe this next one i'll be able to to go fast and channel that sort of like uh anarchic uh, will to to run will to power mm-hmm. or whatever uh in a more intentional way so we'll see fingers crossed <laughs> You know, <laughs> the ballads will probably win out, but you never know. Have you ever considered like uh, a separate project for 
any of the of the of those things like any of the weirder stuff totally um i mean i'm playing a show in a couple weeks that's like an all ambient show so i do a lot of like when i go to my studio i mostly just turn on all of my pedals and i make bleepy bloops totally with my guitar and sometimes people come to the gigs and i think they just see my name and maybe they don't see the things i post yeah. on the internet like oh this is just gonna be freak city noise stuff <laughs> they're like bitch where's your band like <laughs> all right you've got your boots and dress on and your little sunglasses or big sunglasses um but you know this isn't what i signed up for so maybe i should have some sort of uh denominating thing with the name um that's not a suggestion like i i very much appreciate when i show up to a show and it's completely different Totally. than I thought it was going to be. Um, but I just want, I mean, it's, it's something that I consider also as well. It's like, I have a whole catalog of like right. weird stuff that like doesn't, it doesn't really ever make its way into freight train lady sets. But like, I don't want to like make a whole other thing, you know, yeah. like make a new Instagram account. Like, oh no God. Way. Oh my God. Shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can um, barely manage one digital presence. Well, I guess you have two cause you have the band too. Well, yeah. I don't know if you run that. I, Maria and I kind of split duties on that. Um, but right back to the bureaucracy and logistics of the self. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, maybe I'll come up with a different name, but everything all kind of lives in the same universe for me, yeah. like abstraction, texture, and heartbreak songs are all kind of wrapped up in one thing for me and they don't feel so different or that they come from different places. Um, so I I kind of like just all having it under one name. And then I have a little bit of a, a mystery girl yes. energy of like, what's this bitch going to do tonight? Like, is she going to sing? Is she going <laughs> to yodel? Is she just going to make a wall of noise? <laughs> I don't fucking know. I stopped my crying and I made up my mind. Ship the sun and live outside of time to suffer no loss save those older than man to change into something I can understand.
All right, and we're back. Um, actually, okay, based on our conversation outside just now, uh, I was... <laughs> <laughs> so I have a, I have a dilemma Ooh. that just came to me this morning Okay. that I was wondering if you might have a feeling about or be able to shed some light on, which is I, for my healthcare needs, uh, for my basic human rights stuff... <laughs> Uh, pay money every month to Kaiser. Oh. <laughs> Sorry for your loss. <laughs> At 9.30 in the morning, I have an appointment with a laser hair removal technician. Mm. But Kaiser is currently on strike. Ooh. A lot of their tech people are on strike. I don't know if my particular technician is uh, because they're kind of notoriously hard to get a hold of their offices. Um, but do I, I cancel the appointment and like, don't cross the line or if, uh, I also wonder like if my, if my tech is even uh, participating in the strike or like what they're doing. Well, they're probably on strike. Yeah. Or they're scab. Exactly. And then so it's like, do you want do, treatment from do a scab? Do I want treatment from a scab? <laughs> Can you trust <laughs> that? I don't know. I mean, like. I love I love my lab my lab tech okay or my laser tech he's like a he's a really sassy little faggot <laughs> <laughs> I, I love him God like, we have him. a really good time like my laser appointments are honestly like there's there's a lot of pain obviously but like it's awful it's yeah but like <laughs> the, all the other parts other than like you know the 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 pulses the torture and the torture mm-hmm. part is fantastic like we have a great time we talk hella shit i get all the office gossip um but it's been you know a month and a half since um i've gone in for an appointment Hmm. and in that time i'm sure you know the conversations that have led to a strike have been happening sure and so yeah this also will hopefully i was hoping that it would be my last laser appointment oh my god and so yeah i i think i'm i'm feeling conflicted about like I really want to get this shit over with. But also, I don't want to cross that line. Yeah. You're in a pickle. Yeah. I think you know the answer. I know the answer. But it's a sad answer. It's a sad answer, which is... And the answer is that I'm not going to go in. And so I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm not going to do it. It's because... really tough because it's... That's like deep core existential and yeah. emotional. Yeah. Uh, like fundamental identity presentation dysphoria you're dealing with like the deepest things that a trans girl deals with yeah in the context of a labor struggle yeah so that's that's tough yeah it is the larger question i think is like participating in a capitalist framework as a trans person altogether seems kind of antithetical but like i need to fucking get hormones Mm -hmm. and i need to get my face lasered off and and i'm like paying money every month to do that because like i need to right to i'm paying money to like literally evil incorporated (laughs) (laughs) yeah there is no escape from participation in our own degradation and exploitation right um there's no outside especially if you live in the city um yeah but I do think that there are a few ways in which we, there we have to not participate and yeah. uh, I think crossing a picket line. Yeah. That's it's, just one of those things. That's one of those things. 
I think that's a that's fundamental to being a trans girl too. It is, yeah, very much so. Or any trans girl that I'd want to associate with. Right, exactly. I'm. I know people who are transsexuals that I'm sure cross picket lines all the time, yeah. but they can't sit with us. Yeah, cards fucking revoked. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, actually, I would like to take this opportunity to shout out Heart and Electrolysis um, in the Tenderloin. Uh, they were one of the participants in the uh, seed, I forget what the program was called, but it was like a seed money startup program the Transgender District rolled out last year. And Harton is a thriving trans-owned business in the heart of the Tenderloin. Uh, shouts out. Uh, this is also your clarion call for all ye transsexuals who pay money to kaiser <laughs> every month for your fucking life <laughs> that uh yeah don't cross that line you heard it here um okay i think that's like all the topics all the questions and stuff oh i okay my last question is what kind of stuff did you grow up singing or like how like yeah like where did music maybe begin for you um so i grew up playing saxophone um i played in big bands and jazz combos from when i was like 12 to 20 uh i played in the high school and then community college jazz bands where did you grow up i grew up in orange county in a town called san clemente san clemente and um I went to arts high school in Santa Ana for a couple of years, um, and then my parents found weed in my backpack <gasps> and decided that the art school was turning me into a oh, degenerate. Oh, fuck, you've been corrupted by I've the been arts, corrupted. by the gays. Um, I was, in fact, corrupted, um, <laughs> but only in the best ways, and they thought that sending me to public school would cure me of my degeneracy, oh my <laughs> but it was actually just easier to be a degenerate because... <laughs> The art school was like four hours of practice and classes yeah. after school. And so just going to public school was really easy. I was like, I can be so high the entire <laughs> time and I don't even have to worry about it. Um, but then I was playing in um, the community college jazz bands after that, which was really cool. And um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, in terms of the music I would sing, I was really obsessed with Bob Dylan and oh. uh, Woody Guthrie. Okay. As a kid, so when I was Hell like eleven, yeah. I learned how to play guitar. Yeah. And um, I learned a lot of their repertoire, and uh, yeah, Bob Dylan had a record, John Wesley Harding, which was like his country record. My favorite one. He was getting off cigarettes. He was chewing gum and shit. He was getting off cigarettes. Yeah. For that record. Oh yeah. wow. He had a motorcycle accident. Yeah. I think I'm getting the timeline right. But that sort of um, being interested in those two folks exposed me to a lot of country music. And my grandma uh, would play Patsy Cline records all the time. And um, so that was sort of my dad had a Dwight Yoakam CD, uh, Buenos Noches from a Lonely Room. And he's got these like leather pants with um, really cool like things on the side and the covers just like he was so hot in the 80s is that one is that with with um guitars cadillacs uh no that's the one after that 
That's one of my favorite Dwight Yoakam yes. tracks, though. That is. That um, was one of the first country songs that I remember hearing and being like, this shit fucks. <laughs> Dwight fucked in yes. the 80s. He really did. Um, and apparently he still fucks. My friend saw him a few months back and was like, yo, Dwight fucking rips still. Damn. But not hot, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's okay. He was so hot back then. He was. And, no, that that record has Streets of Bakersfield okay. and I Sang Dixie and stuff. Another um, So, yeah, I kind of got into that music and started singing it. You know, like, learn who Hank Williams was through Bob Dylan and Woody Guthrie. And, uh, I mean, it took me until I was, like, living on my own, I think, and struggling a lot to really feel it down into my core but uh, i sang a lot of those tunes as uh a foolish child cool all right i think that concludes the serious questions (laughs) portion (laughs) of the interview um and then the next section is really all about like are there tabloid rumors about katsy klein that you would like to dispel um Have you come across any random bullshit recently that uh, has really sparked your interest or your curiosity? Random bullshit. Um, there's been this whole wave of like offline anarchy zine things that I've been reading a lot of. So um, anarchists have been debating about the role of social media in our connection and and our organizing and propagandizing and stuff and um i think there's been there's been this cool publication shift where people are just making physical media and they're not like engaging online at all and they're seeing this like as a tactical withdrawal of like we are attempting to build community outside of the uh outside of these platform capitalism uh tools and um we're we're trying to sort of uh rework our relationship to the attention economy and so like i was just reading this zine called tinderbox which calls itself a journal of combative anarchy very evocative phrase yeah um or uh, hammer times is a local thing um published by some local freaks um so I've been kind of obsessed with those two things. In terms of rumors, I I don't know what the rumors are. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, the allegations of me being a sad girl, I think <laughs> I'm here to dispel. I'm actually really? very joyful. <laughs> yes. And I don't think that crying all the time uh, discounts that the joyousness and the piousness that's at the heart of what No, I'm that's actually true. That, that, that's a central tension, I think, in my life that I would also like to... Uh, to formally publicly address, <laughs> which is that, like, you know, I do cry like every day. Sure. sure. But, but, like, right, right, of course. Of course. Um, but, like, I don't want to get, you know, lumped in with all this sad girl shit. Like, yeah, I had an emo phase. We all did. It's okay. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that sadness can become a fetish and yeah. uh, I think aesthetically it's also just not the most appealing to me. It's like I 
write a lot about melancholia and mourning and it it's definitely in my music but it's always in an attempt to um give an honest descriptor of the world in which we live which i think is suffused with uh melancholy and the pain of uh the immiseration our society produces but i think the response to that is to not languish in the blue but to seek to transfigure it and um, turn it into something else Uh, like if we're all collectively experiencing isolation and misery then uh, it's not really something that's just ours and ours alone it's a shared experience and so I sing a lot about that but I think the joy is in the collectivity that that hopefully engenders and so yeah sad girl shit that's I'm here to dispel that rumor <laughs> once here and for, for all. <laughs> I I don't know what else. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, shouts out to my enemies. Shouts out to my haters. <laughs> I hope you hear this. Uh, shouts out to my crushes. You're breaking my heart. Shouts out to the haters. Um, <laughs> shouts out to the uh, striking Kaiser workers. And uh, shouts out to crushes near and far. <laughs> I fully back all of that. Thank you for having me, Gabby. (laughs) Thanks for being here, Evie. Yeah, take this as a sign to uh, to buy 20 All my drunken friends had settled down Found a love to hold them true And a reason to stay in town But something called With each changing of the season to find the rivers and I guess I'm always leaving the years go by and time's unseasoned I guess I'm always leaving had a job I didn't like but it paid Inside and nearly lost my mind. Wandered in the woods to find shelter from my grieving. Let the Uber wash my tears. I guess I'm always leaving. The years go by and time's unceasing. I guess I'm always leaving. Goodbye. Goodbye.
this has been Writing for the Feeling here on Best Frequencies Forever, BFF.FM. Uh, we were joined today by Katsy Pline. Uh, follow her on the evil corporate data siphoning <laughs> app. Uh, Katsy Pline Big Time. Katsy Pline Big Time. Uh, stream by uh, Promote Worship, the new record, Incandescent Fire. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you next week. <laughs>